now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Steve Dace Show podcast edition for Westwood One. I'm Steve Dace, powered by CRTV. Todd and Aaron are here alongside. We'd love it if you would join us. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We mentioned powered by CRTV. We just concluded production for today's television show for CRTV. Let's give a little quick preview to the audience. Todd. I learned that the Mueller probe is airtight, leak-proof, a vision, a, the, the, epitome, the alpha and the omega of what a special counsel should be, really. I mean, it, it, it's poetry in motion, quite frankly, so much so that it made you speechless. Indeed. During today's Fake News or Not, we, we, we played two clips. Both of them reduced me to ash. I... I said nothing in response to either one. I, I could not, I, I couldn't bring myself to speech. They were so profound. Aaron. This notion of a quote unquote Republican establishment needs to be firmly and forever tucked away as a fallacy. And there is no establishment. And I, I, the demo, I remember the demo that I sent you when I first started working for you, I was railing against the establishment, the Republican Party establishment. That is a fallacy. One, you need to come to realize somebody keeps voting for these fools. And two, um, there's no, there's not a whole lot of difference. There are very, very few in the conservative movement that work in media that have platforms who are actually conservative uh and we talked about that today um there is uh, there, the, the conservative movement by and large is a whitewashed tomb made up of a bunch of whitewashed tombs happy wednesday everyone well it's true you know we were we were talking we, we, it was it seemed like it was so long ago now it was monday and we were talking about that's 48 hours ago we were talking about how the Nern Prom was, in my view, the best get-out-the-vote effort for Republicans so far in the 2018 cycle, perhaps the only get-out-the-vote effort mounted for Republicans in the 2018 cycle. Lo and behold, here is Marco Rubio to the rescue, making sure Democrat voters stay engaged by agreeing with every last one of their talking points. If you want to know what we're talking about, what Aaron's referring to, what Todd uh, previewed, CRTV.com is where to go right now. Use my last name, Dace, as a promo code, and you'll get instant access, a free trial. And if you stick around after that's over, uh, you'll get a discounted subscription to CRTV that doesn't just give you access to our stuff, but the good stuff we do, too. That's better than us. Uh, the great one, Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, Stephen Crowder, Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty, and more. CRTV.com, promo code Days. All right, let's get to it. It's a Wednesday. Time to play buy, sell, or hold. Our producer Aaron throws out a series of statements, hopefully non-lame ones. Uh, Todd and I will decide whether we're buying that, whether we're selling that. 
Todd will usually offer a few words why. I will probably take about 20 minutes per answer to explain. That's how we roll here. And then uh, once per episode, you're allowed to put a hold, meaning punk out, not give an answer. But if you do it for any reason other than the proposition is so utterly vapid, it's not worth dignifying with a hot take, you will be, uh, because you're in violation of the dude code, you will be mercilessly, ruthlessly ridiculed and mocked. And with that stated, Aaron, you may fire when ready. All right. Laura Bishop says someone in Trump's circle leaks Mueller's questions intended for Trump. Absolute buy. I don't think there's any question about that. Totally buy. Um, because with the questioning... if. if what the questions show now our policy is well my policy you guys have your own brains do whatever you want but my policy has been for the last few months i'm not responding to anything anonymous from this white house or about it which is why all kinds of stories everybody else is talking about i never address i don't know what's true guys i I don't know what i'm reacting to so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna react to something I don't know is true. Now in this case, even though it began as an anonymous leak, the president is confirming that those are the questions. So absolutely, I believed they leaked those questions uh, at the White House for that reason. And the other reason is because it shows uh, some of you have been arguing with me, and I, I think the argument is similar to the argument Todd and I were having, where it, it wasn't really we saw it differently. I just made I was making an assumption with my argument you weren't making with yours. And some of you have argued, well, Steve, the the charter for the independent council is to investigate Russian collusion. I know that's what it says. But this has always been an obstruction of justice investigation. Always. And if there's anything we've learned about independent councils for 30 years, going back to Lawrence Walsh, whatever the charter says is irrelevant, man. It's like when Cheech and Chong are pulled over on the road and they're asked for their license and registration. Hey, isn't that it back on the bumper, man? It's totally irrelevant. doesn't matter what's in the charter. The charter is whatever the hell the special counsel believes this is charter, provided Congress keeps funding it and writing checks for it. That's the charter, all right? And if you look at the chain, if you look at the chain of events... After Trump contradicts the Department of Justice narrative, his own staff's narrative over why Comey was fired, and implicates Rod Rosenstein, who was given the who was the guy that was said to be the person that signed off on Comey's firing, and after Trump says, "Oh, he's an, he's irrelevant," and I'd have done it even if he didn't recommend it. Well, now it becomes an obstruction of justice investigation. Why would a president want to fire the FBI director who's investigating his administration for colluding with a foreign government? That's obstruction of justice, guys. And I think when you look at the questions that were leaked, it's very clear the focus of those questions from Mr. Mueller are not Russian collusion per se, but the uh, the administration's role and Trump's in particular in obstruction of justice. Questions like, have you ever considered or offered a pardon to anybody we've subpoenaed? Questions like that. And so I absolutely believe that was leaked from the White House. Bye. We're talking about a man who writes his own doctor's notes. So yeah, of course he did this. <laughs> or I could have just said that. <laughs> Well played, Todd. I could have just said that. Yes. There you go. Blake Johnson's. Uh, Can I say, uh, the more I think about this, because you like it so much, wouldn't it be awesome if Trump went in there and said, I'm going to, what what was his alter ego? John Barron. John Barron, yes. I'm going to. Not not exactly Ron Mexico, but not bad. Calls calls in, says, I'm going to send my guy, John Barron, in, 
and then Trump shows up himself, but talks, introduces himself as John Barron, and just plays the role, and not just on the phone, but I mean, he's the mania is that extreme. For those of you that don't know what Todd is referring to, I have a new favorite story. For the last two years, my favorite story has been one that it turned out is not true, okay? So I referred to it on the CRTV show as the legend. It's not true. My old buddy Sam Nunberg is claiming he's the one that leaked this story to humiliate Chris Christie, who he cannot stand. All right? But it's for the last two years, the story I just needed to be true. I, I loved it so much. Is that Chris Christie's manhood had been so reduced to ash. <laughs> he was Trump was literally making Mickey D booty calls to Christie. He was demanding that Christie make his midnight McNugget runs. Gosh, that's so good. I have a new favorite story now. My new favorite story is the president's former doctor. Now, I have no idea. Maybe a doctor could explain to me why this would not be a violation of doctor-patient privilege. I have no idea how it doesn't violate that. But the president's former doctor, you know the guy looks like if, if, if Matt fully survived living in a van down by the river, played the mad scientist on Independence Day and lived till he was like 87. That's what he would look like, right? Okay. Um, he's now saying that, that that statement about Trump's virility that was issued during the 2016 campaign, or 2016 campaign, uh, Mr. Trump has a very high sperm count. Nobody has better muscle mass than Mr. Trump. Ooh, and look at his shoulders. That statement I'm talking about. He is claiming that Trump dictated that statement to him. That's just you, yeah. You can't violate. That's so much awesome sauce. I can't tell if that is the ultimate boss move, dictating your own medical statement. Hey, doc, write this down. Put it right in the file. Or if that is peak narcissistic personality disorder. And you know what? I just decided when I wrestled this for like three minutes the other last night. I just decided I don't care. I love the story regardless of where it comes from. It's just awesome. All this, he, all this doctor did was take dictation. He basically stood there while Trump did a mental physical on himself. <laughs> That's all that was, so it's not violating any privilege. Oh, mercy. He, he, just, he a just sat there and wrote down Trump's, uh, his inner dialogue. Yes. That's all he did. She get hazard pay for that. I like doctors who don't have degrees. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like nice. Johnson... Blake Johnson says the Babylon Bee publishes more truth than Fox News and most mainstream radio talk show hosts. Here's one headline today from the Babylon Bee. Bigoted Boy Scouts welcome girls but still exclude all 49,247 <laughs> other genders. I think I, I totally buy. Yeah. I think the Babylon Bee has taken off because it is um, a Christ-centered, less profane version of what the onion originally began yep. and in many and it, and it launched at the perfect time yep where you essentially saw this evangelical crack up in the last presidential election and everything else and it right now is telling more truth than any media platform i'm aware of per syllable at least per syllable yes if Bye. if i didn't know better like and i we didn't actually finally see the guy yesterday this Elijah came back on his chariot and was just doing this thing. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there is, yes. Just wonder, sitting around at Mount Carmel. Hey, yeah. maybe you're maybe you're maybe your fake demon gods dropping a deuce, you know, bro. <laughs> stuff like that. Yes. Here's a theory for you. 
It's it's Kyle Mann and uh, Adam Ford are the two guy, two kind of main writers there. I wonder if they're the two witnesses from Revelation. From Revelation, nice, nice. God's got a sense of humor. When they reboot, when they re- reboot the Left Behind series yeah. again. <laughs> They're not at the wailing wall. They're behind their keyboards. They, yes, they will be the two witnesses. Perfect. Yes. Uh, buy, seller hold brought to you, sponsored by Constantinus Roditis, who says, Steve is annoyed with MoviePass's new terms of agreement that you cannot see the same movie twice with your pass. I actually found this out Sunday after church. I, Noah and I went and saw Avengers Infinity War again, and I went to go use my movie pass, and it was blacked out. Tell me you've already used it for seeing this movie. So, yeah, um, I'm a little annoyed. It's still overall a very good deal. But if they push back anymore, I'm going to start feeling a little Lando about this. You know what I'm saying? Where they kind of look at you and say, I'm altering the deal, pray don't alter it any further. Because maybe two or three movies a year I will go see in a theater more than once anyway. So it's really not that big of a deal to me. But I'm, I'm at the point where if they... If they alter the the agreement one more substantive way, I may have to may have to I may have to take back. Like people are taking back their apologies. Miley Cyrus, Kathy Griffin. I may have to take back my previous endorsement of Movie Pass. For now, it is still a great deal. Not quite as great of a deal as it was originally, but it's still a great deal. I'm selling on Steve's level of annoyance because he has brought up this Movie Pass on multiple occasions as just the thing that everybody needs to go out and do. So this level of annoyance here is more just kind of a shot across the bow kind of thing. It's not, it's just like, um, come on, we had a really good thing going, man. Let's keep this bromance going. So I, I, I think, I, I think, frankly, it only came up because Aaron was looking for an excuse to say the name Constantinus Roditis. I'm starting way. to get it down. Yes. I'm starting to get it down. Uh, Oregon Redskin says, by the end of 2018, Girl Scouts of America will remove girl in title and merge with Scouts of America BSA. I'm going to take that one first. Bye. Why are you buying? Because nothing matters anymore. Okay, I'll buy then for that reason. Okay. I mean, they're mad now until, you know, someone at Salon's going to write an article about why the Girl Scouts are a bunch of bigots, why are they mad, and they'll change their mind and... They'll just be scouts BS. That's what they'll I think be. it was Matt Walsh today who reminded a lot of us have said like every single slippery slope argument that conservatives have made has come true. So no, that's what I tweeted actually. Oh, did the, you the, retweet the, that? Yeah, okay. I mean, well, normally Matt's better. That's why I said something because this was a rare. No, that actually he didn't come up with the smart thing first. I actually said that this time, and I wanted someone to. I wanted to make a note of that. The reason pagans hate slippery slope arguments, as I said earlier today on Twitter, is because they always turn out to be true. Every time the pagans come with our did God. Every time they come with their next did God really say proposition. And we always respond to, well, if we take your argument to its logical conclusion, here's where we will go. And they recoil and they say, that's not a legit argument. That, those are logical fallacies. Yep. We always end up exactly where the slippery slope argument that we warned you about. It's always where we end up every time. Every time. They're always, they're the most accurate argument there is, is the slippery slope argument, period. Never fails. All right. Uh, Our wit says Kim Jong-un wins the Nobel Peace Prize. 
That would be fitting. On his own? Yep. That would be fitting. So, I'll buy that. I'll buy. Yep. Yep. I mean, the, in, in a chance, I... I this is where you have won an argument with me now. Okay? I have given up any notions that leftists can even practice strategic restraint on any level whatsoever. I, I just have given that up. And I should have given it up a long time ago. I should have exceeded your point on this a long time ago. Because when your worldview is based on a lack of restraint, the idea that you would show restraint in implementing it, uh, when I say it out loud, <laughs> kind of doesn't make any sense. Okay. <laughs> so, um, can you, I mean, I can, those leftists over there at the Nobel Commission are having nocturnal emissions as we speak about handing a Nobel Peace Prize to Kim Jong-un and not to President Trump. Are you kidding me? Right. The statement that would make, yeah. the the middle finger that would make, yep. that would there's no way they're going to pass on the chance to do that. Man. No way. No way. No how. Bye. But just to be clear, doing it just to troll yes. Trump. Well, now I changed my mind. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm only using your logic yeah. to, for yeah. my own answer. Sometimes uh, I, I try more and more to make sure I see the absurdity in every situation, but I just had a blind spot on that one. I... <laughs> You're uh, right. Let's see. Displaced Seahawks fan, I think, has a very interesting, depressing, but interesting statement. Britain will have a blasphemy law on the books within 10 years. State Status blasphemy law? Uh, blasphemy law. I'm. I'm pretty. I'm not sure about this, but I'm pretty sure he is referring to the large influx of. Uh, oh, you Muslims. mean Sharia blasphemy? Sharia. Yep. Bye. Bye. I don't. I, in fact, the only reason I would sell is you're giving me ten years. Right. I mean, you have the Bishop of Canterbury, who's allegedly the head of the Church of England. Had, you know, they've been, he's been. He's endorsed set pockets of Sharia, sectors of Sharia in predominantly Muslim communities uh, in the UK for years now. I'm, I'm absolutely going to buy that. Uh, Dude, we just, we just had a president of the United States who said out loud, the future should not belong to those who would slander the prophet of Allah. Okay, those were his exact words, guys. So, yeah, absolutely I'm buying that. I I can see that happening, but I will sell because I fear that something um, tragic in the extreme will happen within the next 10 years that will be a wake-up call, um, and that will be a sign that the suicidal path that they've been on to allow that thing to happen cannot go on any further. Like terrorists flying planes into a building? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I think Displaced Seahawks fan has another good one here. The next Pope will be even more insufferable and leftist than Francis. Well. Depends it, on what part of the world. If, if you go to the, you would know this better than me. Who's this, is it, isn't, who's the Scottish bishop from the Middle Ages that had the prophecy of, of the, of papal ascendancy and how many popes there would be. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, not off the top of my head. I don't. Okay. Um, 
I'll have to look his, I mean, his name up. I'm but familiar it, with. But according to generally. according to what he wrote centuries ago, Francis is actually the last pope. According to this guy's prophecy, Francis is is the end. Was He's this the bishop's pope. name Harold Camping? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. His name. <laughs> Ugh, God. Here's what I think. I think if 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 and we have seen this in the church throughout its history in every vestige every branch and you see it in politics when you bend the core mission to the political winds and fortunes of the day it's like what I say in the political arena finish this sentence guys bad republicans lead to what worse democrats worse democrats later so what we saw in protestantism in what we call today mainline protestantism is in the early part of the 20th century when mainline protestantism started using the language that pope francis is using right now and it was sort of this syncretistic we 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 were still kind of throwing the gospel in there um, the, the, the centrality of Christ was still getting thrown in there with our little social justice, uh, you know, it, when, when they went down the road of syncretistically linking these two philosophies, the generation they gave birth to turned around and said, well, we kind of don't even need the old time religion at all. We're just going to do, you know, the political stuff. And that's why, that's why we call that mainline Protestantism. And that's really where evangelicalism as an uproot from that came from. And if you're going to go down the road, um, if you're going to have a pope going to go down the roads that he's going down, I would imagine within the, within the infrastructure of the church, the bishops, the archdiocese, and the like that are being empowered are people that are following in his footsteps and in his philosophy. You know, I... I I, I doubt a pope goes out there and says, imagine no possessions. It's easy if you try. And then turns around and says, hey, go find that guy that, that wants us to return to the Latin mass and thought Pope Benedict went a little soft. And let's make him, uh, you know, uh, Bishop of, uh, of you know, the, Timothy Dolan is now my next in line. I doubt that happens. That's just not how human nature works. So the people that are being empowered behind him are likely people that are just like him. Or they're worse variations. So um, I'm going to buy because this has been the arc of this has been the arc of history. And it's played out as well and it's played out this way within the church as well. Is you're not empowering people beneath you that will that will ascend to power after you're gone. You don't, you don't empower people that don't share your priorities and principles. That's just, well, let me rephrase that. We do. We do. The Orthodox, the, the conservatives, we do that. We believe in the big tent crap. The people we're sharing the tent with never believe that. And they will pull out the stakes from underneath the tent once they get in charge. So I absolutely will buy that. Yeah. I think, and the only way that it won't happen is if, is if Orthodox Catholicism is willing to wage ideological war within the church at an unprecedented level. 
and I'm talking what, what Paul Pressler and Adrian Rogers and the old Southern Baptist did in the 70s when they started going down this road that Pope's going down right now. And, though, and, and those folks went seminary to seminary, congregation to congregation, and just freaking purged progressives. Purged them. Now, that caused wailing and gnashing of teeth in the late 1970s. I can't even imagine what it would do with today's cable news networks and social media. Folks would be having ca- birth and cows. We're on day three of discussing some teenage girl I've never heard of culturally appropriating a Komodo dragon for her prom dress. Okay, that's the... Now we're going to have a, a new movement within Catholicism. You know, the Raymond Arroyo bunch is going gonna, is gonna to wage open warfare against the progressives. Can you only imagine? Twitter will have to shut down, guys. Twitter's like, we can't do this anymore. We're out, guys. We just can't handle it. Can't handle the load. But that's what it would take to stave off what Pope Francis is introducing. And I think it, what he's introducing, it will change permanently the face of Catholicism for everybody right now within the sound of my voice for the foreseeable future. Because, and this is why I'm speaking out so vehemently against it, because this is always what has happened in the church when these sorts of people assume positions of leadership. They start off being dangerously naive. The first generation is dangerously naive, believing you can meld all these viewpoints together. That's who Francis is. He's not the fan of menace. He's Jar Jar Binks. It's always the first generation is always the dangerously naive. Being manipulated by the true believers who are the next generation to come. And once they've used the likable dolt, the likable dolt, the useful idiot, to remove all the barricades, to remove all of the restraints, the forked tongues will now come out. This has happened over and over again. And I think you're watching it just take place right now. And that's why books like the one we just featured a few weeks ago on the show. Um, I'm trying to remember who this Catholic... Lost uh, Shepherd. Yeah, uh, speaking out vehemently against this. You know, I'm not Catholic, but I think if you're a Christian, you absolutely have a vested interest in what happens to the most recognizable and and arguably influential instrument of Christianity in the world today. This is danger, Will Robinson stuff. Was this is we're, we're beyond just mistranslations now. We're way past that point now. Way past that point. The trailer for this movie coming out makes every one of my Spidey tenses single. That the, I mean, this is literally if Joy Reid picked up Pope. So yeah, I'm buying all of that. Unless people like you, Todd. And I don't know what leaders you have in the church. Like like you, you would know that better than me. Unless they are willing to wage, and you can't do it behind the scenes with these people. They will always beat you behind the scenes. Jesus always gets arrested at midnight in Gethsemane in the dark. Do you have leaders that will go to the temple and say, broods of vipers, dens of thieves, harlots, stiff-necked, whitewashed tombs, blind guides, beware the yeast of these, of these people. If you don't have that, then I promise the one, to, the next one will be even worse. Uh, I will uh, sell. Uh, there, the, there's already been that level of uh, public pushback by multiple cardinals uh, the world over. Uh, furthermore, you know, the Pope John Paul II was the third longest serving. 
pope in uh, the history of the pontificate, and following him came, what was it, eight years of uh, Benedict, uh, ex- extremely uh, orthodox uh, Pope John Paul II uh, traveled the world o- over um, uh, bringing uh, uh, young people uh, into the fold, yet here we are still uh, with Pope Francis. So it, it can and will toggle right back. The, the choosing of a new pope, the pushback that you've already seen against Pope Francis will be there uh, while the rest of us wait to see the white or the black smoke. I uh, don't think for a second there aren't uh, uh, people, and this is not uh, the, the world, the, 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 the world church that is the Catholic church. It's not what happened in um, the Baptist uh, church in America. Um, the the level of um, it, the level of diversity uh, of possibility uh, within that moment in picking a new pope based on what's going on with uh, the the uh, the church in uh, Africa and other places which are extremely uh, orthodox in their teaching. Is am I saying it absolutely won't happen? Uh, uh, of course not. Steve is absolutely right on the Jar Jar Binks aspect of things. And I do find it fascinating and I actually encouraging that a lot of the people who are very, very, the Protestants who are very frustrated on social media with this Pope often are the same ones in the same breath they talk about that the, the Catholic Church is a false church. <laughs> I don't really know why you want this Pope to succeed and be the guy you want him to be if you think this is a false church. Um, but I digress. I, I do understand the point, the power of Steve's point about his spidey sense tinkling. But the Catholic Church it works in such a way that it is in no way some kind of fate accompli based on the pushback that has already publicly happened against the Pope uh, that we will get um, a, a redux of him. All right. So some. Uh some diversion in your answers there. A few sports-related sports, uh, sports related statements. Elmo says, Trump, uh, that's not right. Uh, where is that? Uh, Jim Osman. I'm sorry. Jim Osman says the San Francisco 49ers make it to the NFC Championship game this sell, year. Sell. Sell. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a nice quarterback, but one of the reasons you win five in a row is you pick him up in the middle of the year. Nobody has any film on him. He had done a couple of spot duty spots for the New England Patriots. Well, Jacoby Brissett wins games starting at quarterback for the New England Patriots. So that doesn't tell me anything. Matt Castle went 11 and 5 one year filling in for Tom Brady starting for the New England Patriots. That doesn't tell me anything. Uh, and and the 49ers are running a totally different system. So there's no film on this at all. Now that you've had 9 months, what you often see, you know, we just saw this with Nick Foles. Nick Foles had a season. He threw 28 touchdowns. I think it was in two interceptions, if I remember right, because I picked him up as a mid-year free agent on my fantasy team, and he took me all the way to the fantasy championship. And then he was almost out of football two years later until he reinvented himself last year as a backup with the Eagles. Why? Because when you come out of nowhere and hit like a ton of bricks, people don't have film on you. Give him an entire offseason to break down every snap. Here's what he does. Here's what he does well. So Sell. I think there's a much break pumpage needs to be done on the fact uh, a team that started one in ten last year won their last five games of the regular season before we start talking about NFC championship game. Yeah, Sal, this is why 
you know, somebody needs to take the car keys away from a lot of the hot take full-time uh, football, full-time amateur football analysis. Settle down. Stop. It's it's May. Step away. Watch a little baseball or something <laughs> because you're just too much. Uh, Jay Hinton says, Iowa versus Michigan in the 2018 Big Ten Championship game. Uh, sell. Much better chance Michigan will be there than Iowa. Uh, sell. And I don't know how much of a chance there will be for Michigan to be there. So uh, I'm going to sell. Now, you might be able to get me to buy into that maybe a year from now, but I'm selling right now. Uh, sell as well. The safe money just in general unless and until we see I, I think the number one thing we think need to see differently is if Steve isn't walking around week after week uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth sackcloth and ashes uh, with Michigan and in the other conference what this Scott Frost experiment is going to do the Frost this, thing yeah. I know this sounds nuts I think people are underrating his impact and you know I know that sounds nuts considering how much this has already been blown out of the water Go and watch, go to YouTube and look up 2017 Nebraska spring game and just look at the players and then go on YouTube for 10 minutes. Just take 10 minutes and watch. Then go on YouTube and type in 2018 Nebraska spring game. 10 minutes, look at the players. It's like it's not even the same football team. Not even the same football team. And when you have that level of transformation in four months of an offseason. I've seen this before. It's what Harbaugh did when he first took over Michigan and we went from five and seven to ten and three. That level of buy-in, it's it's Urban Meyer and Ohio State goes from six and six to eleven and zero. When you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old young men, there's a few teams, Alabama, Clemson, a few others, that recruit at such a level now that the emotion factor, meaning they have to play down to where you are for you to beat them. Their, their level of recruit, and, and you always have those, you know, there's been eras where it was, you know, it was Notre Dame, Miami in, in the 80s. It, there was Florida State in the 90s, USC in the early 2000s. There's always in college football that one or two, Nebraska in the 90s along with Florida State. There's always those one or two programs that their recruitment, recruiting, and player development is at such a level that on a year-to-year basis, you don't even look at where their returning starters and stuff are because their program is that embedded. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then for everybody else, when you're dealing with 18 to 22-year-old young men, uh, buy-in, emotion, camaraderie, for sure, those things are huge factors. Huge factors. So I wouldn't be shocked at all if Nebraska took last year's 4-8 record and reversed it. And I know yeah, they're playing. I, a, I know they're playing a tough schedule. There's a few teams on their schedule um, where their development and recruiting is a little ahead of where they're at, and they probably can't win that game. But you know, they were four and eight last year. They lost a nail biter to Purdue. There was another nail biter they lost. I'm trying to remember who that was to that prevented them from getting to six wins in a bowl game. So I, I would not. I think there's a chance they're going to be a lot better than people think, just based off of. When you, when, when you bring in a coach that has the cachet that Harbaugh came to Michigan with 
And he has the legacy Harbaugh came to Michigan with. And now Nebraska has that with Scott Frost. That's where, you know, remember, it wasn't too many years ago that if you were Phil Mickelson, you were the second best player in the world. But you knew that if you were playing uh, the final 18 at Augusta with Tiger wearing a red sweater on a Sunday, you knew you, knew you weren't winning, right? You knew you weren't winning. And for a lot of, for a lot of years... Just when that end helmet came out of the locker room or the winged helmet came out, of, you thought, we're not winning this game. Now, those schools lost that swagger. Jim brought it back to Michigan and then kind of had lost that a little bit last year. And it's going to see if this year we can get it back. But if, especially if they win, if they get some, some early success for, for the Huskers, they get some early success and those guys are going to, for the first time in their careers, Look at the end on that helmet and, and actually feel like they are Nebraska football players. And I do think that makes a big difference. When you get outside the top 1% of schools that are recruiting at a level beyond everybody else in the sport, then I think those sorts of intangibles make a huge difference. And when I saw how much that team had physically transformed, that tells you the level of buy-in right away. Those guys knew, crap, man, Scott Frost is here. So if we suck, they ain't going to blame the coach. They ain't going to say the coach doesn't know what he's doing. They're going to say, we suck. So better, I better get up at 5 a.m. and do that winter conditioning at a different rate than I did it in the previous regime. That stuff does matter. Agree. Safe money is on Wisconsin, Ohio State again, though. Yeah. Uh, you look at the West, it's nothing to sneeze at all of a sudden anymore. There's more parity, I I agree. Say, Jeff Brom's a very good coach yeah, at Purdue's Purdue. Purdue's on the ri- rise. Northwestern's Northwestern. won 28 games the last three years. Yeah, they're always good. Minnesota, I'm not quite sold on P.J. Fleck yet, but you, you don't know. He's got a good track record. Um, Iowa's going to be always going to be projected to be in the middle of the road. You never know what they're going to do on any given Saturday. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think all the overall talent level of the East is quite a bit better uh, than the West, but I think overall the, the, there's more parity. Yeah, I don't think it's the Wisconsin the, the Invitational now. I don't think that. I'd still pick them to win it, but I don't, I don't think I – I think the level of coaching upgrades that have gone on, starting with Braum and now you bring in Frost, yep. I, I think that's changed the division quite a bit. I agree. Uh, let's see. Chuck Gregory says, because of massive subscriber losses, another 500000 in April, Disney sells or spins off ESPN by the end of 2019. By the end of 2019? Yeah. Sell. I, I could see that happening eventually, but they're getting ready to launch um, the ESPN digital app for... Um, for basically your generation. Right. And it's still, you know, I know ESPN's numbers and hemorrhaging is all real. Everything Clay Travis is telling you is real. And I'm not I'm not defending ESPN on any level whatsoever because they deserve everything Clay Travis is giving them. Outside of live sporting events, they or in college game day, they have ruined my channel that I've watched my whole life. They ruined it. But in the context of an industry where everybody's getting killed right now. There is still only one cable network in better shape than ESPN, and it's Fox News. So it's a little bit like when when we talk about having a recession in the United States, and we feel it, but if you're living in North Africa or Eastern Europe or um, you know the Far East, you're like, dude, man, I wish we lived in the United States. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. So yeah, ESPN is feeling this decline, no doubt. But 
if you work at the other 657 channels on your DirecTV, other than, ES, other than Fox, you're like, man, I wish you worked at ESPN. So let's keep that in mind. And, it's, and, and, and those live sporting events that ESPN is, has the rights to are tremendous promotional vehicles for Disney programming, uh, and the Marvel movies, Star Wars movies, the whole pantheon of Disney entertainment. Those are huge promotional vehicles for that. Which means the promotional budgets for those films aren't what you would... That's, that's one of the reasons why they can invest so much in the production budget. Because the promotional budget is not what you... It isn't huge because they have these channels with huge audiences in their own stable that they just, you know, put a Marvel ad on there and that's our filler. Hey, we don't sell that spot. We throw up another ad for Avengers Infinity War and we monetize it that way. So there's a huge promotional value to Disney owning these sort having these sorts of spots avails for internal promotion as well. Yeah, 1919 that's a a bridge too uh, 2019, excuse me, a bridge too far. Um you know, maybe a decade from now or something like that. But uh, they're for a while they're going to walk hand in hand, walk together, and uh, see where this thing goes. All right, uh, we were going to do top seventy movie quotes of all time. I was only going to oh. do the top thirty. But, that needs to be like its own podcast. But that's going to have to wait till next week. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts, Todd. Final thoughts. Um, well, Infinity War. Um, I, I I didn't get a chance to say yesterday, but I do appreciate uh, the the week to see this thing. I, are you? Um, one thing I've noticed, I have not seen much, one way or the other, about the movie. Are people like? Do they not know what to think of it? I mean, they're not saying it sucked. They're not saying it's great. I, and I don't know. It's doing better at the box office than even the last Jedi, yeah. did, and that was the number one movie of twenty seventeen. It seems like I've just heard more chatter, but I, I, it's I, it's eighty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now, actually. So that's what that's what the critics. Is right there? Now. But is there? You th- you think you think it was great? Did it? Is there nothing in there that's particular because it's a comic book and they stay. F- Fairly true to the Lord. Was it, there nothing in there? There was like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. There's several things in there different than the comic book. I mean, it's inspired by the comic book storyline, but death, Mephisto, you know, there's there's lots of things that are key to this because this is one of the most famous Marvel comic stories of all time is the in, in the Infinity War storyline with Thanos. It differentiates from that in several ways, but. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think maybe the reason why is there's really not a lot to complain about. We Good. typically only talk nowadays when we have something to complain about. I, I, I would, I don't, I, I still think the best Marvel movie as a piece of filmmaking is The Winter Soldier. But if you made me rank all of the MCU movies, I would put this one number one because I'd have to add into my analysis the expectation level that it carries into. The burden that these guys, you know, when we when J.J. Abrams took over the mantle of Star Wars, we talked at the time, and you want to talk about pressure. Well, this, I think, even has more pressure because there's more characters, more movies, a larger, more defined, expanded universe that's all been building to this from the very first ever after credit scene in the first Iron Man movie when Nick Fury walks into Tony Stark's palatial you know home there on on, on the on the on malibu beach all right 
for 10 years, we just heard the news one day that Disney bought Lucasfilm and J.J. Abrams going to make another Star Wars movie. For 10 years, we've been waiting for this to come right here. That is an obscene amount of hype, particularly in this era of 24-hour news cycles and social media. The burden the Russo brothers came into this with, I think, is unlike anything any filmmaker has ever faced before. So when you throw that in, I, I think I'd rank it number one because it's a great movie. And then they had unreal expectation levels to me. Uh, final, final thought. Uh, this is, I don't know. I might have to take Todd's advice and just watch some baseball because this off season seems like it's, I don't know if it's because of the winter, but this off season just seems like it's going to drag by for football. So maybe I need to, maybe I need to distract myself some other way with baseball. (sighs) seems really boring though. I don't know. We got through the draft. That's kind of like the halftime of my offseason. The next few weeks will be tough, but we get to the end of May, early June, all the preseason magazines will start coming out. Camps will open up late July. College teams will start reporting late July. It's going to be here before you know it, brother. It's going to be here before you know it. When's your uh, preview come out? Let not your heart be troubled. Well, I got to do it first. Ah, and it's not no, like you're writing a book or anything. Yeah, normally I, I bring it out the week uh, the during the All Star break because there's like nothing else sports wise going on those three days. I, I don't know. I'm hoping I'm gonna hit that deadline again this year, but I've got to get this book done first. So. Gotcha. Well, let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Don't forget to click subscribe on your podcast platform. Thank you to all of you who have done so already. If you haven't left us a positive review, those help us too if you have time to do that. And so many of you have done that already too. So thank you for those. We greatly appreciate them. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you. 